Continuing with the three-parter on leveraging the power of an ideal client, your ICA. In the first episode, I covered what is an ICA and why you need to define your ideal customer. Now in part two, I'm walking you through creating your buyer persona. And we're going through an exercise and there's a worksheet that you can download. So let's do this. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well and things are moving and shaking in your business. If not, then going back to some basics can be really helpful. In this series, we're looking at the power of homing in on your specific target market and in particular, your ideal client or customer avatar or ICA. And in marketing and sales terms, today we'll be focusing on creating your buyer persona. Quick recap first off on what we covered in part one. We set out the principles of what a customer avatar is and why it's important to the success of your business. And trust me, that's not a lofty statement for the sake of impact. If you haven't listened to part one and really taken ICA work to heart as a key performance booster, then please do that. Otherwise, even if you do the exercise I'll share with you today, your motivation to really do a thorough job won't be as high as when you fully understand what's at stake here. Now in part two, I'll be taking you through an exercise to formulate your ICA step-by-step, which is a big challenge if you're on the move while listening to this as a podcast. So you might want to read it as an article too. download and print out the exercise sheets and fill them in once you're back at base. Also, I don't know where you're at in your business building right now, obviously, and I want to acknowledge that defining your avatar might be tough for some people, not least because it's not something you crack in one go. We'll at least make a start, but it's really a progressive and iterative process. I don't want to set myself or you up to fail here, but I hope that you get a lot of clarity on why you should spend time on it and a process that you can take away and work on in your own time after today. In fact, even fleshing this out a little bit is going to give you a jump start on any lead magnets, content marketing, emails or other communication that you're doing with prospective customers. And I'm going to be covering that after this three part series where we'll go specifically deep diving into content marketing and copy in relation to the avatar work that you've done. Before we start creating your ideal client avatar, let's just recap from part one what this can achieve for your business. First, it's going to resonate better when you write or speak or talk in any way to your target audience. When they're clear that you understand their needs, issues and situation, your messaging becomes much more resonant. Your audience will understand why you're talking to them and what you want them to do. If your content resonates with them, they'll be more trusting of you and your brand. With that trust, they'll be more inclined then to believe that your offer can help them with their pain points. 
Second, you're likely to increase your ROI by targeting a specific group of people with your marketing. You save money on advertising. You won't have to waste time and money marketing to people who are not interested in what you have to offer or they're not ideal for the service that you or program that you provide. If you were selling boats, you wouldn't try to sell to a family that lives in the desert, for example. Extreme example. But when you're writing your marketing material, you want your audience to feel like you're talking directly to them. If your marketing material is written to speak to everyone, no one will really connect deeply with your content. And third, you're going to close more sales. When you know who your target customer is, it becomes much easier to close sales. You can tailor your sales pitch to align with your ideal buyer persona and what they're looking for and make them an offer that makes their pain go away. Since your message has established trust with your target audience, they'll be more likely to do business with you. Closing more sales is often a result of resonating strongly with your target audience rather than reaching more diverse groups of people. So all of these three reasons are very interconnected. So next, I want to talk through six essential qualities of your ideal customers. Right, so we'll cover off some of the foundations here, but the overarching ideals that you should be working towards are what I mean by six essential qualities. And that's what you'll want all of your customers to share, which is fundamentally what makes them ideal for your business. And then we layer on the specifics after that. So at a high level, when you think about your ideal customer, These are the six essential qualities you should be looking for to ensure that you're targeting the right person for your business. Ultimately, this should help you segment your customers, not just to identify their value, but also to determine how you approach them. Your target person should be a raving fan, which means they believe in what you're doing and are willing to pay for the quality products you're creating. A raving fan signifies brand loyalty. They see and share the benefits from the work that they do with you. They are generally accessible. So your ideal buyer persona is easy to find, easy to reach out to and easy to talk to. They're receptive to marketing. That means, you know, there isn't a saturation in terms of like overloaded with messaging or opportunities around the thing that you help with. Your ideal buyer will have a good spend value. That means they buy high margin core products from you. They will have a relatively fast decision process. So short sales cycle in B2B terms. They will have a high lifetime customer value. So built in repeat purchase or buying lots of other things from you. A raving fan can also be someone who immediately recognizes the benefit and relevance of whatever the problem is that you're solving for. And this this isn't necessarily someone that's already bought from you. So I think that's that's the distinction is sometimes people think a raving fan is someone that's already a client. But actually, someone can be a raving fan even if they just believe and see that what you do is exactly what they need. And because of how you talk about it and solve it for this person, you should be the best solution that this person can think of. This is actually the most important thing. If your avatar loves you and what you do, then everything else becomes so much easier. They'll convert more easily. They're more likely to come back again and again. 
and they'll refer other people to you. Every step after this becomes relatively easy. So focus on this one first. So the second one was to be easy to reach and connect with. And in this respect, your avatar should be someone that you could easily get in touch with. For example, if you provide cleaning contract services, you could choose a target person who's the head of operations in a good sized corporate company, or you could choose the person in charge of operations at a school. Which one do you think is easier to reach out to? It would probably actually be much easier to contact someone in the corporation. They are in a position that's designed to be contactable. You have to carefully consider how difficult it is to actually get in touch with your potential avatar and factor that into your decision in terms of your marketing and sales process. The next area is that they should be receptive to marketing. Your target person should be open to looking for solutions in terms of engaging with the marketing you use. Going back to the cleaning contractor example, while it's easier to get in touch with someone at a corporation, they're less likely to be receptive to marketing. Corporate heads have marketing constantly thrown their way, while a school is less likely to get as much and will probably be more receptive. Sometimes your avatar may not be that receptive to your marketing, and that's okay. The point here is to compare between your different avatars and ideally choose one that's more receptive. The next area that I mentioned was about a relatively short sales cycle, and this is another one that's more about comparison than absolute value. You want someone where the time to go from lead to purchase is minimized. You may ask how short is a short sales cycle? And really that does depend on your business. And um, typically B2B businesses have longer timeframes because they have an internal decision-making process and procurement regulations, et cetera, et cetera. But what you need to focus on is, is choosing the target person, the role and responsibility within an organization there among your choices that have the shortest sales cycle. If you're selling to individuals, uh, to consumers, then it's not so much of, a, of an issue. Um, and here you really want to look at where are they on the customer journey with you? You know, how open are they? How much awareness do they have? of the symptoms and relationship to the problems and solutions that you provide. The next area is um, about good spend value and margin. And if your customer's coming in and buying products or services from you that actually deliver value, are they buying your products that actually have a high margin? Or are they only purchasing your peripheral products rather than your core ones? If they purchase an entry-level offer or a splinter offer, as we call it, What proportion typically go on to purchase a higher order, higher margin product or program? Do they only buy from you when you've given them offers or put some things on sale, on discount, for example? It's not a word I ever like to use. I always talk about money off or savings or introductory offers. But, you know, some people, they just love a bargain and they're only going to buy from you at that point. And the other piece of the buyer persona is built-in repeatability. You want your target person to be the kind that buys from you over and over and again. And whenever you put something new out, they gobble it up. And this may not be the case for every business. It really depends on what it is that you offer and what's the big uh, commitment. And of course, whether you're B2C or B2B. 
some services are one time only. Some services are subscriptions that have an annual renewal. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ways of interpreting repeatability or repeat business. But with most businesses, it's actually a waste of your marketing spend if you're incurring all costs to get a lead and they're only buying from you once or they're only buying like a small cost, a low cost product. Your marketing budget should be an investment, not a spend. And you want to make sure you're getting a return on that investment and ROI. And so when you make that investment in time and effort and like support to, to make the sale, you want to give as much return as possible by increasing the number of transactions that a single converted lead makes. And this is what we call lifetime customer value, which if high can decrease your acquisition costs dramatically. The next thing I want to point out, and maybe this is a shock, maybe it's not, but your avatar, your buyer persona is, of course, already a client. Often, as we run through the above six essential qualities for choosing a strong avatar, my business consulting clients often say, oh, let me create my avatar. But but here's the key lesson. You, you do not need to create your avatar from scratch unless you don't have any clients, of course, but the strongest buyer personas are based on market research and insights that you gather from your actual customer base. And part of the exercise we're going to do through next time is something I do with my clients, is we take the list of your customers and we go through them one by one, categorize them and assess them based on the six essential qualities I just shared. Make sure you choose not just the customers that paid the most, but the ones you actually like, the ones you enjoy working with, would you want to have a coffee or a drink with them? To get a quick sense of your ideal customer avatar, your buyer persona, pick a character from a movie or series that you like. People align with those you resonate most with. They're relatable, right? So you should be fond of your avatar and they should be, I will say it again, your raving fan. I can guarantee you, if you don't skip this step and you tightly identify your target person, you'll be amazed at how easy a lot of your marketing will become. It also helps you very much with saying no to clients, saying no to people who aren't a good fit for you or your business. Writing your content, defining your channels, Figuring out the design of your website or marketing material, all of these decisions will become much easier once you know exactly who your buyer persona is. Your avatar may not necessarily have blue skin and pointy ears, as we talked about in part one. But as you define your marketing plan, you should be able to clearly visualize them and understand what would and wouldn't work for them. You should be able to place yourself in their shoes, walk around a bit and understand what does and doesn't drive their decisions. Now, let's move on to creating your ideal customer avatar. And I'm going to share with you the five steps that I advise my clients to use to create your avatar. Before you can promote and sell anything effectively, you need to understand and align with who your ideal customer is, where they're hanging out online and what their challenges are. But how do you actually do all of that? Well, there are a few steps that you can take. And at first look, these five stages, these steps will seem like a lot, um, but it is iterative. And we're just going to make a start today. Once you get into it, it's really quite good fun. 
the goal isn't to know or conjure up every last detail about your one perfect person's life. It's to home in on the things that are most top of mind, priorities and relevant to your business and your ideal customer or client. By narrowing down and defining your ideal customer, you can ensure that your marketing is tailored perfectly to the people who will actually buy and love your products and services and enable you to reach more of them. So how can you identify them and get to know them better? Well, as I said, there's five steps and they are research, analyze, create, test and refine. Your avatar starts to take form from your market research, where you're gathering data on your target market. Analyzing is where you'll be drawing ideals from your existing customer base and looking at your analytics as well as your competitors. Now you're set to complete the other three steps where you create your buyer persona based on your best insights about demographics and psychographics and then test your assumptions and refine. You'll repeat these steps until you have a clear and accurate picture of your ideal customer avatar. In a moment, we'll go through a fast start exercise to get you actually creating your own avatar. If you're starting from scratch and haven't done any research or analysis, this may feel hard. You'll go on tacit knowledge for now. Just be imaginative, get curious. It's just a first stab at doing this and I'm gonna guide you through it. You won't land it right away. And even if you did build out a really detailed avatar, it's unlikely to be spot on right away. You'll need to test and refine a few times before you have it fully dialed in. Let's go through each step again in more detail so you learn exactly what to do in a practical sense. So first of all, conduct market research. So here you want to start by gathering data on your target market. This may include demographics such as age, gender, location, income level and education. If it won't sit for your niche, you might want to add in political views or religious views. You can also gather psychographic information such as personality traits, values, interests and lifestyle choices. Great places to get this is from book reviews or online groups that your ideal client is likely to read or contribute to. This research will help you understand the needs, interests and preferences of your potential customers. For a more detailed look at things, you can line up interviews and run focus groups or surveys to understand your customers. Here, you have the advantage of customizing your questions so you get answers that provide the info you're after. You can also use a semi-structured interview approach such that you have a set of key questions yet are equally open to taking the conversation in whichever direction the participant leads. This can help you avoid leading the witness, so to speak, and putting too much emphasis on your own assumptions or bias and have the findings come up much more organically. If you haven't yet found any particular patterns in your market research so far, using this looser structure is a great way to open things up more. So make sure you're asking open questions. That is, questions that aren't a yes or a no or short answer, because they don't give you much depth. And if you get short answers, keep going. You can use tell me more or can you say more about that? And again, see where the conversation naturally goes. Okay, so step number two is to analyze your existing data. 
Now, the first place to grab customer data is from your website analytics. You'll need to have Google Analytics set up on your site and Google Search Console. So if you're not sure about that, search on how to set up Google Analytics or how to set up Google Search Console, and you'll see a ton of free guides, step-by-steps, and videos at your disposal. Or you can ask your web developer or site host provider. They probably provide that help and support as well. From your site analytics, you can get decent insight as you can see what your web traffic is clicking on, what your visitors to your site are interested in. It's some really good signals to their goals and aspirations. The second place to find existing data is your current customers and identify the ones who are most engaged and profitable to your business. Determine what they have in common, such as demographic or psychographic characteristics, and use that information to create a profile of your ideal customer. And thirdly, you can go back to your notes or recordings and transcripts of your discovery calls and sales conversations, where you will have asked questions about any concerns, issues, challenges, problems, pain points. And now you need to actually analyze, codify, and consolidate a little bit what are the patterns and themes emerging from that set of data. And now step three comes the fun bit, which is to develop your buyer persona. Based on your market research and analysis of your existing customer base, you should be able to develop a fairly detailed marketing persona for your ideal buyers. Your persona should include information such as the customer's name, age, job title, goals, challenges, pain points, and buying behaviors. Step four is to test your assumptions. Once you've created your buyer personas, test them by reaching out to potential customers and gathering feedback. Having a cup of coffee with your ideal client is a great and effective process to share your avatar. It sounds a little weird, but stay focused on task and you'll uncover some deep truths. Ask them if they can relate to the persona you've created and if not, what changes could you make to improve it? And then step five is to refine, refine your customer avatar based on the feedback that you receive and refine it until you've got a clear and accurate picture of your ideal customer. Then use this information to tailor your marketing efforts and create products and services that meet their needs and preferences. And we'll be talking about that in the next episode for part three. So our next stage then is to go through this exercise and actually do the work, right? Um, So here's an ICA creation exercise that I ran with our ACES entrepreneurs and uh, also for the Miracy audience in general when we did a live training. So we picked this topic because a lot of entrepreneurs have a mental block about narrowing their audience and they get stuck trying to perfectly define their niche and ideal customer. And I find that it helps to not think of your niche or ideal client simply as a set of demographics or characteristics. It's way more nuanced than that. Instead, what I advise my clients to do is to start by thinking about those essential qualities, first of all, that I talked about earlier, the common challenges that your customers generally face, and the typical transformations or outcomes that those people are seeking and that you're well-equipped to help them with. 
You should spend a fair amount of time on the psychographics of your ideal customer and then you'll start to see a character appear. And that's what we're going to try and do today where you actually get to the point where you can visualize them. And so this is the creation exercise that I usually take people through. And it's, you know, it's, it's quite intricate. <laughs> There's a lot of pieces to it and we can't do some of it here on the call, as I say, because it's around customer analytics and looking at your website, visitors and email opens and clicks and all of that kind of thing. But the things that we can look at are all of those things that we've brought into play. It really helps you to draw out some of the emotional psychographics that we talked about before in terms of preferences, habits, hopes, fears, pain points, goals, challenges, and all of that. So that's what I want to take us through today. And we're going to literally spend about 10 minutes on this. So it's going to go fast. We're going to pull out three steps and it goes A, B, and then C. So the A is for actual. Basically, we're going to look at actual, or if you don't have clients, desirable clients. Then B is for build. We're going to build out the blueprint of those psychographics, a little bit of demographics. And then the C is super easy because it's like, congratulations, but now what? And coming up next is going to be some episodes around content marketing and being strategic about using your ideal client avatar to inform all of your content writing, all of your copywriting, so that you're really coming from a place of relevance and really understanding your buyer persona. Right, so let's get on with the exercise. And it might be a good idea to grab the worksheet as you work through this or come back to it later and work through it. The worksheet can be found on the episode show notes, which is at jallison.com forward slash podcast forward slash ICA hyphen exercise. And you'll also be able to read this as an article as well, if you prefer, so that you can see it all laid out in written form as well. So are you ready? If you are ready, get your pen and notepad, whether digital or paper, um, that is up to you. And we will go bring it on. I love it. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Step A is actual clients. Um, So you don't need to kind of write your list, but just start to brainstorm a list of your current clients and see how far you get. Add in some of your past clients. Or if you don't yet have clients or customers, list possible or desirable clients. So try to think what some of those people, what role they would be in. Like where where are they based? Are they in an organization? Are they self-employed? That kind of thing. So just trying to to think about honing in on that type of client. If it's B2B, then your ideal client is first and foremost the organization in terms of their industry, in terms of their size, some of those other like demographics. But the person in the role, that's where the psychographics come in. It's like, what is it about them that makes them open to working with you as a consultant or as a coach or as a trainer. Um, Because that's the person that is probably going to discover you and who you're probably going to have a conversation with. And you can also think about what sort of qualities you want from them. And we often talk about this in criteria 
for like a sales page of actually putting down quite explicitly who do you work with and who do you not work with or here's my program here's who it's for and here's who it's not for and that's actually a really good way of filtering out the people that are not your ideal clients so we're going to take another 60 seconds on this this is just your existing clients put down their names or their role or the company or organization and go through them each one and you can categorize them you can give them a score if you want you know you can Give them a score of one to 10 of how well they fit those six essential qualities we were talking about, just roughly. But you can do that later where you actually assign a score to them. And it's really food for thought when you go through this exercise. You might also want to put a star next to any who are a great fit and you actually enjoy working with. And I'm going to say this, I feel really blessed that the people that I work with, I've got some rapport, I've built some connection with them. And that's probably because we share very similar values and the way that we show up is very similar. And that that's why the coaching calls become you know, tension-free because we get each other. So put a star next to the ones that you really look forward to and put a big cross next to ones that you dread getting on a call with them. <laughs> So do you have at least 10 names on your list? If not, that's okay. You can keep going later, but you get the point of this exercise. And out of the list, whether you've managed to get to the starring of them or not, put a circle around who you feel is your dream client. The one that ticks all the boxes in terms of the work you do together, the pace they're working at, the results you're getting, and your enjoyment of working with them, the fulfillment that you get from this is the work that you were meant to be doing, right? So it needs to show up in your day. So put a big circle around the one that you really, really find the dream client. And think about those who you didn't enjoy working with. Focus on the traits that you wish they had. Because you'll be able to bring all of that into some of your sales copy and your emails. Okay, so step B, building out the blueprint, and that's blue for a reason, pun intended. Okay, so this is where you're going to dig deep into thoughts and desires of your ideal client avatar. Like, don't focus on what they want. Think about what's externally verifiable, where they are in their lives, things that are happening to them, what they're moving towards or away from. So this is a little bit of demographics with extra layers. You might find it useful to think about this question in the words that people use to describe themselves. You know, how do they self-identify? Fill in the statement, I'm the kind of person who. That might be a layer on top of this. Um, but quite often people say, well, you know, I'm male, I'm 45, I'm married, I've got three kids, I live in New York. It's really important that you pick the things that are relevant. And for some people, the, their politics will be relevant to the service that they offer or the program that they're running. For some people, that's actually an important part of their demographic. Okay, so that's the easy bit. We're going to build out the psychographics now. And that's around, first of all, goals and values. And again, you will have done some of this work, I think, in, in building out your offer. 
Um, so pick one or two clients and write down what you know about them if you've got clients. Um, but otherwise, you know, you're looking at ideally for the people that you most want to help. What are their goals? What are their values? How would they describe themselves? What's a quote that your avatar might use? That's actually sometimes a nice creative way into this. So let's just spend 60 seconds on this one. I mean, this is top of mind stuff, right? You can pause the playback while you do this little bit of work. You can keep going in your own time afterwards. Often instinctively, we know who our ideal client is. And the more you think about it, the longer you take, the harder it is. So this is intentionally a fast track exercise. Okay, let's move on. I know this is quick, um, but this is the point also. Next step um, of building out the blueprint, challenges and solutions. So what are their challenges? What are their pain points? What are the solutions you can offer? And the point here is not to get it all down in one go, but to get enough for picture to move forward. And you can carry this on in your own time and go deeper. This will also come up time and again whenever you're writing copy because you're looking for that resonant identity of really having people feel heard and understood. When I say people, I particularly mean your perfect person, of course. Okay, so next one, moving fast through this. Sources of information. This is an easy one, actually. You know, just put two or three things down for this one. Don't go through every single step, but this is something that will help you know like how to connect with them, where to find them. And also, if you were looking to, say, do guest blogging or guest podcasting, then thinking about your ideal client, what kind of shows, and what kind of blogs they would read or listen to, helps you know, again, who you're going to approach to build a conversation around being a guest. Where might you meet people? There might be at events and summits and things where they hang out. So these are just inroads for you. They're just ways to, to kind of really connect in. So just two or three things. If you've got those, we will move on. Okay. And then the next step is around blocks and objections. And again, the more you can dial these in, the more you can actually tackle them on a sales page, whether it's in frequently asked questions or just in the demand narrative, where you recognize and hold space and talk about things that are mental blocks for people. There are also things that come up on discovery calls. You know, you've had a great strategy call or discovery call when they don't have any objections at the end of it because you've actually handled them through the conversation. So what are likely to be the things that come up? And if you've already done a number of discovery calls, what are the resistances that come up for people or why they might choose not to buy your product or service? I mean, we call them objections in terms of sales calls, but they can be addressed in your marketing and in your 
conversations. The top of mind, what do you already know or believe might stand in the way in the mind of your ideal customer as a buyer of what you're offering? Again, it was from Melinda Cohen who said, time and money are often objections that come up. I don't have the time or I don't have the money, but actually it's never about either of those. It's never about price. It's about they can't see the value. And it's never about time. It's just they haven't prioritized. So there's a super tip for you. Right. So go over that time and again, like dig in, dive a bit deeper. But that top of mind stuff is really important. Leave it, come back to it if it's not something you need to to do right now. But do it really quickly um, and then build the layers on from there. So if you're not using the worksheet right now, then you can go and download that at jallison.com forward slash podcast forward slash ICA hyphen exercise. And you can fill that in and keep going, keep going in your own time. And as I said, build your answers and take them as a set of questions into discovery calls. It's a really useful structure for your discovery calls to elicit needs, to, to really get a handle of where are they at, where they want to go and what's standing in the way. Now then, finally, I did promise you that I would show you how to bring your avatar to life. Here are some like tools that you can use um, for avatar creation. So this has gone really quick. I said I would also do a follow-up to really move into using your avatar in terms of driving your content and your copy, your email sequences, all of that kind of thing is coming at it from your customer, your ideal customer's perspective is really going to help you with engagement and sales conversions. There's lots more work to be done. This is tip of the iceberg. I know it's gone super fast. and um, I hope that it's at least inspired you to think that this is worth doing and that it's not maybe as hard as people think. Um, I'd love to hear your questions. So do feel free to get in touch. The easiest way is to submit a question via audio or text message through the website at jallison.com forward slash podcast forward slash QA. And that's it from me. I hope this has been helpful and I can't wait to deliver you the final installment of our three-parter leveraging the power of your ideal client avatar. Till the next time. Ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.